0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me,
1: Heather Noble, and me, Tracy Jones. Now, Heather, do you fancy going to the pub? Always, always. Uh, are we allowed? Um, well, no, I won't be tomorrow as Wales is in full lockdown. But um, I think you're allowed, aren't you? I'll have one for you. But what?
0: What's what? Why are you inviting me to the pub?
1: Right. It's this new thing. Um, I've seen a, a couple of articles about it. I think you shared one as well on LinkedIn. And it's about pub desks. And and this is the idea of flexible working spaces in a pub. And I've been I just really yeah.
0: taken with that idea. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounds like a win-win, doesn't it? I mean, apart from, you know, you don't want to be drinking alcohol while you're working. But I think it takes... Ex- two boxes. I mean, as you might expect, the premise is that you hot desk, but you hot desk in a pub. And there seems to be pubs that are charging, you know, like a tenner or something, and you get some coffee and tea and you get the Wi Fi, you're using their heat, their light, their whatever. Um, some even include a bit of lunch. So I suppose it ticks a box in terms of them getting people in into the pub and generating revenue. And it also ticks a box for all those people who are working from home and climbing the walls because they're sick of the sight of their back bedroom. Yeah, I, I
1: think a couple of people I've seen in the articles mentioned that um, they find that when everybody's at home. So if the, the kids are off school and their partner's working from home, that they needed a, a place to escape to as well. So um, going to um, a socially distanced desk in a pub seemed to be, like I say, a win-win situation. One um, pub branch was um, advertising 10 a.m. is the new 10 p.m. And they were advertising breakfast and brunch throughout the week. That wasn't necessarily, you know, sort of a working lunch. But then coffee and a desk for two hours of working with... Um, I suppose a, a bit like the coffee shops used to, isn't it? Yeah, with the Wi-Fi and with the powerpoints and the, and the coffee on tap. So I, I, I think they're doing pretty much the same as um, I think Pret a Manger and um, Leon were doing very similar things in their cafes, weren't they? Right. So um, it seems seems to make sense that pubs uh, have got empty tables empty um places in their pub and invite somebody in to work there I, I guess as long as it wasn't full of rowdy people which i'm guessing it wouldn't be then it'd be quite a good place to
0: work yeah and i i also i mean we need to make sure that people are you know socially distancing and that you know the hygiene levels etc are all up, up to scratch but one thing that i i find really weird i don't know um be interesting to hear what you think I can remember a time when the idea of going into a pub and plugging in to the electricity to charge your phone or power your laptop was like, you can't do that. That's like stealing electricity. (laughs) But people do it all the time now. You know, wherever you are, is there is there a socket? Let's sit near a socket so I can charge my phone or charge my laptop or charge my car. That's going to be the next thing. Yes, indeed for you certainly but but it's like so that's kind of normal now um so actually the pubs might if they they might as well charge (laughs) to get some money back on their electricity because you know and and the coffee they're giving you is probably much cheaper than the electricity that you'd be drawing in a a period of time so I, i think it's all a bit weird but it reminds me have you ever heard of jelly yes I mean, gosh that, that's a blast from the past actually yeah yeah because well, that's a that's like a, a co-working um arrangement and i used to run one in oswestry and but they still exist i was doing some research today they still exist in around the country um originated from the states and um basically it is where you might find you might have found a pub or you might find um a gallery or somewhere that's got some space and they're willing for a small amount of money to encourage people to come together and work together so that you've got that the thing that you miss at work and we've talked about you know that app thing that was playing background noise like office oh, yeah. noise yeah so so it's a bit like that only I mean, you've got the somebody to go oh how do you spell so and so or does this sound all right or what would you like you have at work rather than just working on your own so i think this is kind of an extension of that or maybe the modern equivalent i don't know yeah i I was also
1: reading an article which was looking at it from the point of view of the landlord and basically because i can see the benefits for somebody wanting to go and work in the pub and i was and obviously that the the pub you know would be wanting customers in there but not at the expense of people who were perhaps going in and having a meal and then they could turn the tables and serve somebody else. But at the moment, it seems that that's not happening. And people tend to be put off when they're going into a pub if it's already empty because it's lacking in atmosphere. And so some of the landlords were saying that it's actually better for them to attract people who want to actually come in there and dine and drink because they, they see that the place has actually got some people in and it. it's not lacking an atmosphere even if they oh, a bit not like, not like a when
0: pieces. pizza express sit you in the window or a restaurant they sit you in the window when you're the only ones in there to make it look like that's right yeah it's busy
1: i could because i think what what they were saying is at these times where there's so few people are going out to eat you, you you're Perhaps put off if you see an empty car park, you might just carry on driving, thinking, "Well, oh, that place has got no atmosphere. Mm. So actually having a few people there already, even though they are using your electricity and they're, and they're taking up a table for a few hours, whereas ordinarily you, you turn the table within an hour and a half or two, that it's mm. actually it's good for them. So I, I, I'd like to know which pubs locally are doing that. So if uh, listeners out there are aware of any of the local pubs that are doing pub desks or are actively encouraging people to come and sit, plug their laptops in, use the Wi-Fi uh, and they're not expecting too much back from them, I'd really like to know.
0: And One other thing, just from the business side um, point of view, is that if you found out that a pub, a local pub that you don't normally go in was doing it, that might encourage you to go into that pub and then you might see the menu. And then you might say to somebody, should we go there for supper? Or should we go there for lunch? Or should we go there and have a drink? It's actually quite nice. So it's a bit of a marketing opportunity as well, I guess. Yeah. Would you work at a desk
1: in a pub? Yes, the right pub. Yeah. I don't think I'd fancy sitting in a pub with sticky floors and sticky tables. That'd be a nice pub. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And somewhere that serve good coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't. Yes, of course, you wouldn't be having the alcohol, would you? So the coffee and the tea. The quality <laughs> of the coffee and the tea would go up the stake, up the um, stakes a bit, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, but you might have a pint at the end of the day or something, mightn't you? But I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be imbibing during the working day. Goodness me, obviously not. <laughs> You're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And I'm going to space now, having been to the pub. Um, This is an article I saw on Reuters earlier this week, that Microsoft is partnering with SpaceX, Elon Musk's SpaceX, Mm -hmm. to expand its cloud computing platform into space. This is mind-boggling stuff, isn't it? So apparently this partnership will allow Microsoft to connect it's as your cloud computing platform. So there's this massive platform that stores data to the Mm -hmm. SpaceX network of orbiting satellites. Okay, and it's been tested in space. And in September, it unveiled this thing called Azure Space Venture. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? And apparently, I didn't know this. It's tapping into heavy demand for data heavy space services. Who knew? I can't (laughs) get my head around this. Sorry. No. Well, the services they're offering, the data heavy space services they're offering include disaster prediction and tracking, increased visibility of supply chains and economic activity, and apparently many others. So, you can fill the gaps in Heather because I can't. No. <laughs> um, so, it, it intrigued me. It, it's a little bit above my head as to exactly what all of this data-heavy space service is about. But it's basically bringing the power of Starlink, you know, all of these thousands of satellites that mm. um, SpaceX are launching, and um, the connectivity with those satellites. To the infrastructure of azure okay so i don't know whether that's I, i'm guessing that's a big thing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it probably yeah I, I as i say i can't quite get my head around it and i don't know if that's because i've just got a mental block because it just sounds like it's so futuristic that it just sounds like nonsense i don't know Well, the thing that
1: tells me that this is obviously the future is that Amazon's Jeff Bezos is also um, looking to launch um, a constellation of satellites to rival Starlink. And their project is called Kuiper, Project Kuiper. And they're talking about a network of 3,236 satellites. That's as well as SpaceX have these people never seen the film terminator i wonder i mean that's where it all went wrong <laughs> anyway that that was a bit of news i picked up i don't profess to understand the detail of it but it's that partnership between microsoft and spacex to get azure literally into the cloud beyond the clouds yeah. but also that jeff bezos is also moving into space as well
0: and he doesn't back a wrong and does he Uh, you wouldn't
1: think so would you but
0: no no he doesn't what have you got heather well i'm pretty i'm back down to earth with a with a thud Uh, and building a little bit on the story that we um that we were talking about earlier about the the pub desks of course lots of people are working from home and We've, we've touched on this in the past, that one of the, you know, one of the best things about working from home is that extra five minutes in bed or not having the commute. And we've also talked about the fact that some people kind of miss that because it's downtime for them, time when they might prepare themselves for the day, might grab a coffee. So there was, uh, I came across an article um, that was talking about why not invent a fake commute?
1: So just because you're
0: not having a commute doesn't mean you can't have one. So you could still get up. You could go and walk to the shop, buy a coffee, walk back to your house, come to your desk, sit down, work. You could sit and you know go and take your coffee and sit in a coffee shop and read for 20 minutes, half an hour and then walk back home or drive back home or whatever it might be. And then start work. And it sounds like it's a thing that quite a lot of people um, are starting to adopt and seeing that it's having a positive impact on their mental health. Um, one lady in particular said that she used to um she used to get up, have a shower, do her makeup, get dressed, go to work. Um, but she said that all of that stopped and so she wasn't really moving around very much in fact she spent most of her time listening to her device on her wrist that says it's time to move (laughs) just kind of i felt like i was just walking around my house so she formalized right i want to break that pattern so she goes out and she, she 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 went to stay with her boyfriend overnight and walked home um and she felt so re- so much better for that. So now she's formalized this fake commute. Not necessarily um, a great idea if you live in the middle of nowhere, um, although maybe a walk around the block might, you know, might cut it. I don't know. Easier in cities and, and, and towns, but of course, always um, in line with what level of restrictions you've got in place. What do you think about that? Well, that sort of coincides with another article
1: that I've read this week. The very first line of the article says, not having to commute generally leaves workers feeling happier. <laughs> so in, in stark contrast to that. Mm. Uh, but this is an article in Management Today, which talks about a talk that um, the chief economist of the Bank of England, Andy Haldane, he gave um, recently... And he's saying about the um the darker side to the lockdown. So they're assuming that not having a community is a positive thing. Um, yeah. but what Andy Haldane said is that he's acutely aware of a growing disconnection from the people around him. And he says, I don't know anyone at work better than I did six months ago. Um, so it's a it's a really good point, isn't it? Do you really get to know people? through email, do you
0: really get to know them through Zoom? Well, you don't, but I think you have to make, you have to make the effort uh, because things don't happen by accident. So it's a kind of situation where you've got to try that little bit harder. Yeah. uh, Because you aren't gonna bump into people in the corridor or hold the door open for them or see them at the coffee machine or nearly run them over on the car park or whatever it might be you've got to you've got to kind of make it happen yeah and i
1: think that's the important thing to take from this because we've talked about um the situation before haven't we when the hybrid working and actually how employers are finding that the staff are more productive but there there is a report um i think it's called the state of workplace happiness report for 2020 which says that although there are general levels of happiness have increased it's also coincided with the increased levels of anxiety and depression. So, it, it, there's some strange right. stuff going on. So, you might be generally happier, but anxiety and depression is also, um, and also it's not evenly distributed. But I think what it underlines again is you, you have to, as you say, make a, an actual strategy for yourself. And also, if you're an employer, think of ways to make this work for your employees as well, bearing in mind that. Some people might be missing the commute. Some people might be loving not having the commute, and uh, not everybody's going to be the same, are they?
0: No, and it's recognizing those differences and doing, you know, watching out for people and 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 well, just talking to them and finding out how's it going. Is it doing your head in being in your spare room all the time? You know what? You know what? What are you trying? What are you doing? Yeah, it's communication, isn't it? I think that's it's always communication it's always communication says the communication expert Says the communication expert yeah well yeah expert with a very small e anyway i've got a story that i'm sure people will have seen but um i've delved a little bit deeper into it this is the revelation that revelation this is or well, maybe it is a revelation royal mail are facing the biggest shake-up in their services Uh, for many, many years, they are starting to take on the rivals such as DPD and DHL in terms of packages like return parcels. So they've got a situation now where they will collect parcels from you when they're delivering your post. It's kind of a joined up approach. I don't know why they haven't thought about this before, but so so the, the, the situation is that you can go online and request that you have a parcel that needs to be collected. If you're running a business from home you can use this service and at the point at which they deliver your post they will pick up said parcel which you have to have applied the postage to so you'll be using the printed postage um, stickers uh, that you can get off the Royal Mail website um, or a whole load of stamps. It's your duty to attach the relevant amount of postage but then they will pick that parcel up for you they will charge you 72 pence for the collection of it um, if it's um, if it's a parcel that has got prepaid postage on it so say you've ordered something online um, they only charge 60 pence so that must be something to do with the processing once they get it back to the depot I guess um, but yeah you basically go on go onto their website say i've got a parcel for collection can you pick it up tomorrow and and the postman will pick it up from you or from a safe place and i i can only see that that is probably going to increase maybe to a point where the number of post boxes that are used has significantly reduced and perhaps business postage is collected you know from so it, it, even if you're not running a business from home That they'll come and pick stuff up uh because that that it is one of the
1: things i find really frustrating so um running a business from home and then needing to get the post none of the local post boxes around me that i could walk to um have a collection in the evening so i have to get in the car and drive to a post box that has an evening collection or put it in the post and have it collected the next morning so that's not very convenient. Whereas if somebody could come to me and collect it, that would be perfect. Although I wouldn't get my daily walk, would I? So, no,
0: no, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses to everything. (laughs) But I agree totally. You've got something, and you need it posting. And you can guarantee that if you if it's after half past nine in the morning, you've missed you've missed the collection on that post box. So I, I think this is something that will either die, you know, just die out very rapidly because nobody's using it, or it will start to change the way that we manage posts. And if you think about it, when the postal service first started, people used to give a letter to the postman and he would walk it, if you believe what they used to show in Lark Rise to Candleford. And they would you know, it. I had exactly the same image in my head. You know, Dorcas and the post office, but um, yeah, that's how it worked. Uh, and you had and you had post delivery like three times a day. So, watch this space, I guess is uh, is what I'm saying.
1: In the discovery mm-hmm. section of the business community Sweet. this week, I was attracted by an article I saw on Reuters. I was looking at something completely different, and then this just sprung up in front of me. I thought okay i'm gonna have to click that link it said it's a powerpoint killer Ooh, it's a powerpoint killer now that's big news isn't it
0: there's a lot of people who would think that's a good thing
1: (laughs) so apparently this company um called pitch uh, based in germany um has gone live it's about replacing powerpoint but from what i could find out from from the little bit of research that I did, it's it's more of a collaborative tool than PowerPoint, but it it's PowerPoint with collaboration. I think it's that I, I passed it on to you as well, Heather, and said have a look at this, look at pitch.com. And uh, I, I was just intrigued to see if you could understand a little bit more how it will kill PowerPoint. Because we are deeply entrenched in the powerpoint world aren't we many of we us are. yeah we
0: are we are although um uh, people who use um apple products um might what's the other one that? keynote that's it yes yeah and i it's have same used sort that of thing that. isn't it though yeah yeah but you're absolutely right this um it, the collaboration element is fantastic because you could actually Several people could be working on the same presentation in a, 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 at the same time, so I imagine that you would be able to share a screen through Zoom, for example. You can allocate pages, so you can say, right, okay, whoever's, you know, in accounts, right, okay, so let's label that page, that page, and that page. You're going to put the quarterly figures in there, and then this other person's going to do this, and this other person's going to do that. So you can set people off to do their own tasks and then bring it all together. So I think that I think that is really good where it lacks something at the moment is in terms of the number of templates. So there there are preset templates, just as there are in, in PowerPoint. But when you're in PowerPoint, the options are there are more options, I think, in terms of reformatting, changing the look and feel. So. So I think that there maybe is a little bit of work to be done there they um they use unsplash images although you can upload your own images if you want to uh and the fonts so for example my font the font that i use for my business is Calibri. that doesn't appear on there so you know there are some things yet it does on powerpoint so there are some things that i probably need to delve a little bit deeper to see whether i can get round those, but it, I mean, it's, it's great
1: and it's free. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Then it only goes up to the premium product It's only $10 per seat per month, um, which includes upload of video files and analytics. So I I think that seems really good. It's had some serious backers though. I think it, um, in the article I was reading, it's attracted $50 million from the likes of the Instagram founders um and zoom founders so they clearly know what they're doing and so they've put their money into this so um they think it's got legs obviously you mentioned about sharing screens on zoom i understood that the software included the video collaboration with it to to save the hassle of screen sharing so
0: i had not picked that up but you're yeah i'm sure you're right i just hadn't oh hang on yes so there is something here that says share i won't click on it in case i make the internet break but um okay
1: so in the article i read it said that speakers appear in on-screen video bubbles making it possible for colleagues to or the audience indeed to focus on the slideshow without having to deal with the hassle of sharing screens or the risk of buffering disrupting the presentation
0: ah that's
1: nice isn't it that
0: that's is nice. nice yeah yeah and certainly i mean for me i was delivering some training this week and so i would got two screens going because i needed to have stuff for me to i wanted to be able to see the delegates because we were doing it through zoom but i also wanted to be able to see my notes i wanted to share a screen i wanted to be able to use the the whiteboard facility uh and you know there was this constant toing and throwing but if some of that could be done through one platform, then you aren't constantly, why isn't that working? Because that's in PowerPoint and that's in Zoom and that's the whiteboard. And so, oh, okay, I'm, I'll investigate that further because that does sound really interesting and, and useful.
1: And I, I watched a video, I don't know if you've seen it on the website where they showed a demo and it wasn't of them doing the presentation to, um, to participants of the presentation. Um, or the audience, the intended audience, it was actually uh, a team preparing for a presentation, and and it showed how they were all working together. I would have liked to have seen how they used it to present to an audience. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. further in the website. I didn't perhaps dig deep enough. But it's certainly enough to to get me clicking on the button try now. Anyway, did you go as far as try now and sign up for a free package? I
0: think I would. Yes, I think I'd give it a go. I'd probably want to. Yeah, I'd want to see the limitations of the design. Because, you know, I have in PowerPoint, I have my template for my my corporate colours, etc, my logo and all of that. I'd like to see how I can how easy it is to do that in here. And then of course, I'd like to have a little practice. So you never know, Tracy, I might be phoning you up and saying, try and share this presentation with you and see if it works well i'll look forward to that heather um,
1: if anybody else wants to go and have a look uh, the website is pitch.com that's fairly straightforward
0: this week we're taking a look at somebody who has completely changed the way that we book accommodation we're taking a look at a guy called brian chesky who is the founder, along with a couple of other guys, um, of Airbnb. Have you ever stayed in an Airbnb, Tracy? So
1: far, no, but I have one booked for next year, actually. So I have the app, and
0: I've actually booked next year's summer holiday on Airbnb. Wow. Okay, right. Well, there's no reason to think that it won't be fantastic. I know lots of people who've, who've used it. Brian Joseph Chesky, who was born in 1981, so he's a he's a mere whippersnapper, um, is an industrial designer. So Chesky went to college, uh, along with a, um, a couple, a couple of friends, and they were all studying. So in 2007, um, he was sharing an apartment with one of the guys who then went on to find the, to find Airbnb with him. And there was a there was a big conference going on in San Francisco, and all the hotel rooms were booked. But the two guys were a bit skint, so they decided to rent their apartment out for money for the people who wanted to attend this conference so they basically bought three air mattresses and they marketed the idea as air bed and breakfast and three guests stayed the first night and it kind of went on from there to the point where now the, the business he's worth about 3.1 billion the business is worth 38 bit no was worth 38 billion pre-covid it, bit of a covid crisis down to 18
1: but 18 billion still quite quite a hefty amount isn't it
0: yeah yeah
1: but it's still still a, a good amount
0: yeah and and when you think about it such a simple idea but as i say i've never i've never tried it you are going to try it but a lot of people swear
1: by it well apparently it's been used by more than 500 million people and in over a hundred thousand cities in 191 countries so a few people have tried it yeah and it's described as a peer-to-peer room and home rental company
0: so it takes the whole have you ever done the um you know where people do like house swaps
1: through yeah. an agency I've not, never done that, but I've seen it, and it always struck me as being a bit too risky. So it sort of takes the risk factor out of that for me.
0: Yeah, yes. Rather than flying to the other side of the world to find that the house that you've just booked to spend two weeks in isn't quite as nice as the house that somebody's just about to
1: yeah <laughs>
0: live in. Is your um.
1: so we were talking about the impact of COVID, um, and I, w- I was reading on the Forbes website um that that's a really interesting sentence they used they they said the pandem pandemic has created airbnb's business oh, <laughs> that was an interesting oh, phrase yeah and it, the rumors were that it was ab- about to um to go public um in 2020 uh, but apparently instead they took 2 billion dollars in funds from private equity firms in april to stay afloat so it's a real turnaround of fortunes there, um, and and I think a lot of the people who were actually Airbnb get, uh, hosts as well have also struggled, obviously because they haven't been able to let out their properties. So it's not just Airbnb, the company, the platform for this peer-to-peer rental service. It's the actual hosts as well. So there's a few people have have struggled. And apparently, you know, the whole industry has has suffered through this. And some of them have either pulled out of Airbnb because they've gone on to try and find long term tenants or have had to be a little bit more creative with their offerings. But, uh, yeah, I hope it survives because, like I say, I've got a vested
0: interest. I'm booked through Airbnb for next summer. You mentioned the the two the two billion pound debt that they took on. They met. They laid off nearly nineteen hundred employees. Wow. And sometimes, you know, you look at these organisations, and it's really hard to to get a sense of. Um, so if somebody's hugely successful. They're worth a lot of money, but but what are they like as a person and how do they treat their staff he obviously was was devastated to be laying off people but they all got sev- um, they all got severance pay including several months pay they got a year of health care and they got help from airbnb in finding a new job so they didn't just say sorry guys you know there's no work for you so sure. i think that was i think that was that was pretty good um, but i found a quote that he um When he was referring to when they set the business up, and I, I just thought this was genius. He, he said that between them, he said we had a saying that we would do everything by hand until it was painful. So Joe and I would photograph homes until it was painful. Then we got other photographers. Then we'd manage them with spreadsheets until it was painful. Then we got an intern. (laughs) And I, I just, I just thought, yeah, that's. That's brilliant because you can't do everything Um, focus on what you can do and then bring people in as and when the business is growing. I think but that was really by having got to that pain
1: point. It also means that they understand how the business works That's before true. they yeah. delegate it to somebody else. So. And, There's something else I picked up on about um, in the early days. Did you read this about where they went to the Democratic Convention just at the start of Airbnb and in order to promote it? Um, They sold $40 a box Obama and McCain themed breakfast cereal to pay off their initial debt. So they certainly aren't short of an idea or two, these
0: guys. (laughs) No, yes, I did see that. And I think... Um, There was a section on uh, on Wikipedia, actually, um, talking about um, how in June 2016, um, Chesky joined the Giving Pledge, which Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are already signed up to. This is where uh, billionaires commit to give away the majority of their wealth. Uh, And um, Chesky said, I want to help more kids realise the kind of journey I've had. I want to show them that their dreams are not bounded by what they can see in front of them, their limits are not so limited. And he quotes Walt Disney saying, if you can dream it, you could do it. Um, And I'd like to help them dream. So and and apparently he lives quite a simple life. Um, He still uses Airbnb when he goes around the world. Yeah, he sounds he sounds like an interesting character, but I don't imagine this is the end of his um, his career, his his entrepreneurial career, Uh, interesting character. So that's about all we've got time for this week, Uh, we will be putting links to all of the things that we've talked about on this week's show on our website, which is the business community. Uh, But do tune in next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.
1: You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones and me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.